This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. And Mary, before the show, we always either end up on the topics of food and or and or TV. So I always leave this show, uh, one, very hungry, and two, usually with a, a, a new item for me to watch. But uh, I always appreciate our, our pre-show conversations. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We're, I'm, I'm planning dinner already. So, um, <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I was trying to plan my time around the show, getting here today around where I was going to stop to eat. Um, it didn't happen, so I can't wait to uh, dive into a new place. That is, the mo- <laughs> that is the most important thing. You know, we got to somehow work this show into our, uh, our food and dining schedules. So. Yeah, we, we said last time we should do a show on dogs so next time we should probably do a foodie show oh i like that that's that's a wonderful <laughs> idea but before we get to that we do have a wonderful show lined up for day for today we're going to uh, hit on a, a number of topics but we're going to start out with a conversation uh sort of centered around extended family member caregivers and we know that caregivers can come in all different forms so we are very pleased to kick off our conversation with dr karen roberto who's a University Distinguished Professor at the Center for Gerontology at Virginia Tech, Dr. Roberto. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I'm honored to be with you. I think this is a very timely topic. Caregiver demographics are changing so quickly. Uh, We're seeing the sandwich caregiver generation, which we've talked about a little bit of show, is very much upon us. Those that are taking care of their parents and their children, uh, shout out to my dad. Uh, We tend to focus on primary caregivers so often in a lot of the conversations we have, but extended family member caregivers are more involved in care, and this network is growing uh, as, you know, the the demographics in our population are shifting. Karen, can you give us a brief overview of some of your research on extended family member caregivers and the role of caring for persons living with dementia? It's another topic we talk about quite often on the show, and um, more and more people are faced with dementia these days. Sure. Well, you know, we were really very excited to um, begin this project because a lot of our, you know, we've been doing caregiving research for many, many years. And oftentimes when you read the research or you talk to um, caregivers, we're talking to spouses and adult children who really do a yeoman's job in providing that family care. But we became more and more aware of that we had this other category. And um, kind of under that umbrella were these extended family caregivers, such as grandchildren or siblings of the person living with dementia, nieces and nephews, and step-families. And, and so we became very curious about what's going on there? How did they get involved in this care? And you're absolutely right. With the changes in the demographics, um, we're, and really that have impacted what families look like today um, so that it became obvious that it was time to turn our attention to these. So um, our study, which we call CAREX uh, for short, is funded by the National Institute on Aging. And our goal really is to learn about these extended family members' pathways to caregiving. 
how did how did they get there? How what's their relationship with the person that they're providing care for? How do they manage their care responsibility, and who helps them with all of this? And and do they use services? And ultimately, we want to look at how does all of that kind of mix together to look at the effects on the person living with dementia, as well as the caregiver's own well-being. That's really interesting. Are you are you bringing people in from North Carolina as well to participate in the study? And are there ways that people can get involved with your research? Oh, absolutely. So this is a, a telephone interview. So. <laughs> Excuse me. People um, can join us. We we are focused in Virginia and the surrounding areas, and we just started reaching out in North Carolina. So if we have grandchildren or siblings, nieces, nephews, step family members um, who are um, providing help for a person with memory loss, we would love to talk to you. Overall, we're hoping to talk to about 240 extended kin, and we have a ways to go. So if your listeners are interested in participating, they can. Call Call us, uh, or excuse me, they can contact us at CareX, which is C-A-R-E-E-X, at vt.edu, or visit our website. If you just Google CareX, it'll come up, and we'd love to learn, um, talk with them and learn more about their experiences in helping their relatives with memory problems. That's awesome. In doing your research, did you find or have you been finding that different kinds of care networks exist based on demographics or locations? You know, are North Carolina and Virginia very similar uh, location, kind of rural, urban, kind of a mix? Do you find that different kinds of care networks exist based on those things? It's a little too early in our research to give you a definitive answer about um, demographics or location, but some of our preliminary findings suggest that when family, uh, when we're talking to families where an extended family member is the primary caregiver, the care relate or the care arrangements are fragile and they can be easily disrupted, which leads to inconsistency and unreliable care for the person living with dementia. So um, what one of the things that we're starting to see, it seems like it's um, coming up as the subtleties around the potential length of caregiving. And so we're particularly interested in what will, what will happen in these families that already seem to be managing a lot when um, they're no longer able to provide care. And interestingly enough, sisters, granddaughters, and nieces are more likely to talk to us about having to um, look for a care facility for mm. their relative, whereas the men, the brothers, the grandsons, uh, and the nephews anticipated, well, there'll be just somebody else in the family who will um, provide that care. So um, we'll see as we collect more data if that continues. But that's one of the demographic trends that we seek sort of a different approach to caregiving or thinking about the future of care. That's really interesting. There are, are an increasing number of people living with dementia, and you'd hope that that support is also increasing systemically. Where do you think as a society we are at with resources and home care services and professional support providing for those with dementia? Well, I think, um, you know, they always, one of the things we always say about rural areas is that we're under-resourced, particularly around dementia care. But I think the, the U.S. is under-resourced. Um, I was participating yesterday in the NIH Dementia Care Summit, and um, Courtney 
Van uh, Hortzen from Duke University was on our panel, and she said something that was really telling. She said that we need to um, be moving to a caregiver-friendly society, and that's a choice that we have to make. Mm. And I thought, yeah, she's right about that. And it's really going to require multiple sectors coming together and investing in caregiving policy. So I think mm. we still have a lot to to work out because we rely so heavily on family members. I, yeah, I completely agree. I, I helped my dad and his brothers um, care for my grandfather who had um, multiple ailments and and was uh, with chronic illness uh, for quite some time. And it was really challenging to find professional support and um, uh, private duty nursing and dealing with the nursing crisis and all the things. I, f- I feel, you know, and that's me coming from the industry that I'm in. I'm used to being able to, to navigate it and advocate. Um, but I think that we're going to be, I- I'm scared we're facing a public health crisis soon if we don't improve access to caregiver services because caregivers are a huge part of our healthcare system. And without them, I- I'm worried. Absolutely. And, you know, they often get ignored in the healthcare system. So some of the, um, when we talk about, you know, use of services and, and what, um, how we can make things better, oftentimes caregivers say to us, well, the, the healthcare provider or the service provider really never asks about me. And yet, you know, they're the 24-7 oftentimes person. And so um, they are a valuable part, but they... Um, it's a difficult system. It's fragmented for a lot of parts. You know, some communities do better than others. Um, but it's really difficult to know where, where to begin and then how to manage or coordinate all those services. Yeah, it's difficult enough as it is to navigate those waters. And you throw in the complications of there being differences between regions and items like that. And it, it really just makes it that much more challenging for caregivers. We are speaking with Dr. Karen Roberto. She is a university distinguished professor at the Center for Gerontology at Virginia Tech, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Karen Roberto. She is with the University of Virginia Tech. She's a, a distinguished professor there at the Center for Gerontology, and we are discussing a number of things, uh, in particular extended family member caregivers, and you know we were having a, a little bit of a uh, discussion before uh, the end of the last segment, Mary, on dementia care and how that can uh, sometimes vary depending on where we're located. Absolutely. We're very surrounded by rural and remote settings uh, here. And I think uh, COVID kind of exacerbated that those 
the situation that we're facing with rural health care. Uh, do you find any differences, Karen, in the care and the support and for caregivers due to the location or, of the patient or the care? Does location matter? I would, I would definitely say location matters. It, it matters within our states. Um, you know, we see great variation across Virginia, and I will bet that is true of North Carolina mm-hmm. as well. And then certainly between states, what gets covered, what services are available. Um, and I think that, you know, when we think about rural areas, we, we have to remember that that's not a, a heterogeneous group, mm-hmm. and, or a homogeneous group, excuse me, that in fact, um, rural looks different uh, even within, within the state. So mm-hmm. we really have to pay attention to the landscape and the people and the culture of the communities that we're um, dealing with. But most of the work on caregiving either doesn't talk about place or when they do, they like to do it as more of a comparison. And sometimes um, that often puts the rural um, caregivers at a disadvantage. And, and so I guess a lot of our work, we try to you know kind of look within at the strengths and opportunities that um, rural caregivers bring to the table. But just to give you some examples, AERP did a national study and when they looked at urban versus rural family caregivers, they reported that um, rural family caregivers typically re- say that they have no choice in taking on their care responsibilities, that there is no one else. They're more likely than their urban counterparts to be caring for multiple people at any one time. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of um, whether it's generational, you know, older people and younger people, or multiple older individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to provide more hours of care each week to their um, loved ones than do urban dwellers. And they often talk about having more difficulty in finding affordable services. It's really interesting. Do you think with rural care, do you see telehealth changing the landscape of caregiving or, or the, even the support for caregivers uh, in their roles? Oh, yes. I think, you know, if we had to find some good in the pandemic, I think the um, the idea of telehealth really came of age. And we got over, or the systems, I would say, got over some of the fears about what that looked like and, and problems. I mean, we certainly have to build the systems correctly. But I think it opens access to people who um, found it much more difficult to get to services. You know, when you're living in areas um, where things aren't right next door, and so it's an hour drive or even, you know, 30-minute drive, and you're working or, you know, caring for someone with memory problems, that can be really very stressful. So to be able to provide um, at least a consultations and check-ins um, via telehealth methods, I think, is really shifting us in a positive direction. Absolutely. There's all sorts of new technology outside of telehealth. It's it's become interesting that COVID, you know, as awful as it has been, is has kind of brought to light some great technology that's existing. And, um, you know, my dad was talking about, do we need to put alarms on things? Can you put, you know, cameras up? Can you do just to monitor someone when you're not there? Um, Mm -hmm. It's there's all sorts of great technology out there now that's kind of coming about because because of COVID, which is is good to see um, us addressing some of this. Absolutely. I think that um, 
there's sort of a stereotype or maybe an age bias that older families or older adults, you know, don't want to engage in technology. And that's not really true. Mm-hmm. It, it, they need to be taught. They weren't. They haven't grown up with technology as some of our students here uh, mm-hmm. at Tech certainly have, but that really can be very helpful for the family. Definitely. And your research in in the rural area segment, what are some of the other key barriers that carers, carers, is that a word, uh, are Mm -hmm. facing and um, that we as a public need to work on to increase awareness and advocate for? Well, I think, um, you know, the number one thing that tends to come out is financial barriers. So the um, really the need to expand eligibility for government-funded programs, looking looking at local program implementation, um, how to best serve the com- you know at a community level. So um, finding caregiving is an expensive um, thing to, to take on, and we really see that among our um, women who tend to you know kind of try to balance that labor force and caregiving, and so oftentimes they're working less. Um, and, and care is expensive, and I think that we as a society have to recognize that um, that it, it shouldn't be free labor, um, and so we really have to do better to support our formal services so that they can hire and train and keep the best part people, but also to support the family caregivers. Um, on the flip side of that, I, the other barrier that we hear a lot of is this reluctance to use service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an increased number of, uh, of people in rural areas who are providing care, and it really has to build trust within the in the community. And sometimes our caregivers that we've interviewed have talked to us about it's just easier not to do the services because I don't know who's coming or people don't come when they want to. And so that can add stress to to their own lives. And so that kind of leads into this idea of how capable is the caregiver, how confident are they, and how competent are they in being able to provide services. I know I'm a long-distance caregiver mm-hmm. for my mother who lives in Pennsylvania, and I think if I didn't really understand the system, how do people do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a really, it's about education, it's about making things um, simple to access and, and to recognize that caregiving, you know, changes over time and so that we have um, different needs uh, for information and services as we progress through that caregiving journey. Karen, uh, I want to circle back to the CareX project. Can you, uh, again, just share with the listeners, again, how they can get involved with that and the how their participation really helps you out? Oh, sure. We are doing telephone interviews um, with grandchildren, siblings, nieces and nephews, and step-family members um, in Virginia and the surrounding states, including North Carolina. And you can, people can contact us via email at carex, C-A-R-E-E-X, at vt.edu, um, or they can visit our website, which is carex.is. And we would love to hear from you. Wonderful. And you can just Google CareXVT, and that'll bring it up as well, first result on on Google for you. So if uh, you missed any of that, that's a wonderful opportunity for you. So. Karen, uh, we've got so much more that we want to ask you. uh, Hopefully you can hang around here for another segment with us. Would that be okay with you? 
that'll be just fine. Excellent, excellent. We are speaking with Dr. Karen Roberto. She is a university distinguished professor at the Center for Gerontology at Virginia Tech, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas on the line. We have Dr. Karen Roberto, who is a university distinguished professor at the Center for Gerontology at Virginia Tech. And we've been talking about a number of topics, including extended family member caregivers, also dementia care as well. But um, Mary, we're going to circle back to, mm-hmm. to caregiving because that is uh, at the heart of the purpose of this show. And mm-hmm. so many times when we discuss caregiving, we, we speak of it on a journey, as a journey. And there, there's a reason for that. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, dementia caregiving is a very long road in particular with many changes in roles and responsibilities over time. For those that are listening, you, you've heard my grandfather's journey, and you know he might not have had dementia, but it was very much a long journey with um, heart failure that we had. And um, and my grandmother, uh, who passed previously, had about a seven, eight year journey with dementia. And you know the it, it can be a very long road. And Karen, in the research you have done, and with the many people you have spoken with along the way, what do you think are some of the key drivers for caregivers for the grit and the perseverance of caregivers over time? Well, I, I think it um, partly boils down to the relationship that they have with with the individual. Um, more often than not, we hear people say, well, I'm a wife first, or I'm a grandchild first. And so they have developed this this relationship. And then tragedy hits with, you know, memory loss and, and progressing through dementia. So um, it's really as they begin their journey trying to figure out um, – how to manage themselves in, in this new role and also the person with the memory loss because there's a lot of wanting to um, to make life as best as you can or they can for that person and so to uphold their dignity and identity as well as taking care of themselves. It's really interesting. I You know, I I remember the day that my grandmother stopped recognizing us as her as me as her grandchild, my mom as as her daughter, and, and my mom's sisters as her other daughters. As a caregiver, at that point in that pivotal moment, is it changing your role? Does your what does perseverance and grit look like when you know you're not really you yourself are thinking I'm still her daughter, but the the person living with dementia might not feel that anymore, might not recognize that anymore. It, exactly. And I think you're, that is a oftentimes a transition point because that emotional intimacy, that closeness, 
um, you have the memories of that closeness and the feel of that closeness, but the reality is this is now a person who needs help with um, more daily care items. And so that, that puts you in our caregiver in a, a different role. And so they need to really kind of um, accept that role. And it and, um, doesn't mean that it becomes mechanical at all, but it really is um, kind of a broadening of the responsibilities of the individuals. And as we see a kind of a decrease in emotional intimacy with that person, mm-hmm. oftentimes caregivers it really begin to prioritize more self-care. In the mm-hmm. beginning, I can do it. I can do it all. You know, I can manage it. It's not that bad. But as the person needs more care and that and kind of their grit of commitment comes out and I, I, I want to be able to do these things, but to, to be able to provide the level of care they need, I also have to take care of myself, which mm-hmm. might mean, you know, going having some quiet time um, or ju- um, ha- using different services so that somebody can help me help that in- individual. Um, so it changes a little bit in the prioritizing. You know, we've talked about self-care throughout COVID, but it's such an important topic in the caregiving journey. And I think it's one that you don't always realize until it hits you and you're stressed out and, you know, you, you might be snapping a little bit quicker or it's very becomes very obvious. And uh, I think it's really important to to really realize when self-care is coming, it needs to come in and into play. I think caregivers can get really down on themselves. And, um, you know, it, it's such a hard journey. And especially for those that are dealing with dementia, it's it's so long. It can be so long. And it's a roller coaster. Absolutely. That, you know, some days are good. Some are not so good. And sometimes that gets down to the hour uh, of the day. But I think for caregivers to find meaning and joy in um, in the interactions that they have with their relative um, is often very helpful. You know, things change. They're not going to change the same. And I think those who can um, persevere and see that, um, just say, you know, maybe an activity that you did together with your relatives was gardening, as an example. Um, but that might not be feasible with them. But they might be able to be out there sitting with you as you mm-hmm. kind of dig in the dirt. And I don't know about you, but that's very therapeutic for me. <laughs> so I kind of like to, to be outside and, and doing those things. And so you, you have to kind of weigh what what is important and how do you kind of transform those types of activities. Um, But in the end, taking time for the self really is the best for the caregiver as well as the person living with dementia. You know, it's so funny. Someone asked me the other day, what's one of the simple things in life that you really love? And I was like, pulling weeds. Um, <laughs> I, I love to pull weeds. And it really is a, a, a um, it, it really calms me down. You know, you get in the moment of pulling those weeds and it's, you can really uh, burn some stress. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and I think we all have to find what, what that is um, for us. And and no, um, I think the other thing that we see among our gritty caregivers, as we sometimes call them, was like kind of knowing when they need to step away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so what? What you know, and ask themselves, why am I doing it this way? Is it that important? And I think those that. Um, with higher self-efficacy, you know, kind of feel better about themselves can say, well, I'm just, you know, it doesn't matter if the napkins on the table don't match anymore. You know, it just, it just is. 
You know, we keep using the word grit, and it's a it's an interesting word. It can be applied in many different ways. How would you define grit, and what does that really look like? Yeah, I think that as applied to caregiving, um, grit really is about commitment and perseverance. And so one being committed to the relationship. And, and while we think that's sort of an obvious, when relationships get turned upside down, it can be easier to walk away than to to maintain. And so it really is a commitment to the relationship itself and to the situation that the person uh, or the family finds themselves in. And I think the idea about perseverance, that um, it doesn't mean kind of straight line, we do it this way and keep going, but it's a zigzag line. And those that um, are able to persevere, try different things, accept the fact that maybe I can't provide all the care and reach out to community services or other family members who can assist um, with that. So I think those are the two um big characteristics that we saw and the, and the more commitment, the greater perseverance, the be, really the, um, the better well-being of the caregiver. That is so well said. She is Dr. Karen Roberto, University Distinguished Professor at the Center for Gerontology at Virginia Tech. Dr. Roberto, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciated the chance to talk to you and uh, you sharing your expertise. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Very well. And don't forget, you can find more information about the CareX Project. That's C-A-R-E-E-X. You can Google that, CareX Virginia Tech, and that will come up very easily for you there. You can help participate and help uh, this valuable research project. We would encourage everyone uh, who's listening to go and do that. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas, of course, representing Transitions Life Care, and we're going to be talking about communication tips uh, and focusing on being advocating for respite. Mm-hmm. And Mary, this is something that is so, so important, and we say this all the time, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, it's also very, very hard for people to do because, you know, anyone who's um, been involved in any part of a caregiving journey knows uh, the stress that is put on the caregiver. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's it's just so hard to take a step back when you are focused on the person who needs care. Mm-hmm. You need some care as well. And you need respite mm-hmm. in order to be at your best. Respite is rest. And, and you can't you have to be strong yourself to be able to care for others. And, and without that, you'll get run down and it, it can be very hard on you, but it's such a hard conversation to have. It's, it's something that's not easy. I was talking to my dad about it actually yesterday. Um, I was over at his house and we were talking about my grandfather and, and the importance of 
taking a break. And um, he's just started a rotation with my aunt and they trade off weekends on on doing the groceries. And I think that that alone has been monumental in, in providing him a little bit of respite. But beyond that, I think I also had a conversation with a friend who's a caregiver and she's really struggling with this as well. And I, so I wanted to talk about it on the show about communication and advocating for yourself. You need a break. And that conversation's not always easy for the person that you're taking care of as well. And I think there's a lot of guilt um, and, and people feel guilty taking a break. And But you have to think inward first and your feelings and what you're feeling and the, and the exhaustion and it is valid. And it is not a selfish thing to do. And I think a lot of people feel um, selfish taking a break when they're taking care of somebody else. And that's, that's a hard feeling to, um, to take on. Um, so there are some tips that I wanted to provide and some, I've done some research on this and talking with my dad and others and wanted to share them with you all as well. Um, but first, prepare your conversation with intention. Uh, why do you want respite? Is it you time? Is it you need to take a rest? Your work is busy as well? Or you may have children, you know, the sandwich generation of caregivers is, is growing pretty rapidly. Um, and, and you may need to go to more soccer games or whatever it may be. Um, do you need to hire extra help? That's something that's really important in a conversation that was um, really valuable for my dad and, and talking to my grandfather about either assisted living or we need to hire a nurse to help out. Um, so there, those are very um, uh, tough conversations, but it's good to prepare f- for those in advance with intention. Uh, research your options first. Find out what's practical. Uh, if private duty is something that you're taking on, look at cost and, and something uh, and schedules and things like that. And how will we benefit from you taking a break is an important part of the conversation. We will all benefit from you taking a break and being able to share why. Uh, and pre-planning will really help guide that conversation. And I think it's something that's really important. Um, I know we were just, Jason and I were just talking about even pre-planning for the show. Um, you know, we, we talk, uh, it's hard to have conversations sometimes. So it's always important to pre-plan. Um, second, label your feelings. Put your feelings into words. Write them down. Read them. See them. Understand them. I take time to journal every night, and it's something I didn't do before, but writing down my feelings and going back and looking at them uh, has something is something that has really helped me validate how I feel every day, um, and it helps me advocate for myself in, in other situations. So label your feelings. Put them into words read them, go back and read them. If you've had a hard day, go back and read a couple of days prior when it was good and, and realize that it always isn't that way. So putting out your feelings and seeing them and understanding them will help you advocate for yourself. Then pick a time to talk. Don't do it when everyone is alert and in the height of something or, you know, right before you're doing an important caregiving task. Um, Make sure that everyone is calm and rational. No one's overwhelmed. Um, We're not right, you know, going to bed where everyone's a little bit drowsy. Make sure that everyone's awake. Um, So make sure you pick the right time. Um, You don't want to be hangry. You don't want your loved one to be hangry. I know that's not, I I can't be hangry and have a good conversation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So just pick the right time to talk uh, and really think about it and plan it out. And following positive communication is always key. Refer to your feelings that you wrote down, why you're feeling this way. Use I statements to share how you feel instead of you statements that place blame on your loved one. You, 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 you is a hard thing for someone to hear instead of saying, I feel this way, I am tired, and I, I need a break, I need to take a nap, whatever it may be. Um, speak very soothingly. 
listen actively. Um, and, and listening is a key part of this conversation. And hear the feedback um, that you're getting from your loved one. Take pauses. A lot of the times, if you're dealing with someone that may have a little bit of uh, cognitive decline, it's some, that's something that's very important to take pauses and listen uh, and really um, get the a- active feedback. Then you want to share positive outcomes. Like I said earlier, what will benefit for this time to yourself? What will benefit the, your loved one for you taking this time? What will they gain? You'll be in a better mood or <laughs> I can cook better dinner if you give me a little more time to go grocery shopping or, you know, there's a, there's a lot of benefits of you taking rest uh, and being more fully available when you are there if you're not as tired or you're not as stressed or, you know, all of these things kind of combine into one. And it's important that you take rest for yourself and take this respite care. And then finally, create a care plan. You know, if it involves, like I said with my grandfather, there was nursing aides that we have. If it's working with an adult day facility, there's some great adult daycares and day facilities around um, that provide care during the day um, and, and activities during the day. You can drop them off and pick them up. Um, there, there are a lot of great options around us in this area. And if you're on hospice, like Leah said and earlier in the show, it's part of the hospice benefit. So you can talk to your social worker and set up the right volunteer for you. If it's you need someone to come into your house and just give you a break while you do grocery shopping, um, you can you can meet with your hospice social worker and discuss all the things that you need, and they'll be able to put someone in place to help you get a little bit of respite. Um, they also have a, a respite stay where you can take your loved one to a facility and have a longer stay respite as well as part of the hospice benefit. It's all provided as part of the benefit. Um, so if if you have a vacation that you need to go on and get away for a few days, that's a great option if you're on hospice. Um, also, if you're on palliative care, you can talk to your team there and they can help you find the right fit as well. Um, but respite is so important. And I think that people um, don't realize it until they're they're too tired and they are too worn down. And it, it is just taking – it is very heavy. And you don't want – uh, to feel that way and get to that point. So taking them these breaks earlier and being able to have these conversations and communicating and advocating for yourself as a caregiver is so important. And it's not you should not take on the guilt of this and put those feelings down into words, validate them, advocate for yourself, and and really get the rest you need as a caregiver. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, and it's especially something to focus on early on in a caregiving journey because I, I think – just naturally, uh, one, we, we have a lot of energy at, at that point. And also, you know, when you're speaking with family members and they're asking how you and your loved one on, your natural response is going to be, hey, we're, we're doing okay. You know, we're getting by. We're, we're getting through this. We're still, lear- still learning. And you may be kind of conditioning your mind to think, well, you know, we got this. Everything's okay. But as you said, uh, you don't want to reach that point where it's you're overwhelmed and it's become too late Right. To, and then everyone's going to be looking at you like, well, hey, what's what's yeah. going on here? You know, you've been telling us everything's okay, and now right. now that's not the case. So maybe set those expectations that, hey, you know, I'm okay now, but maybe in a few weeks, I I may need some help. That's a great point. You know, that that kind of happened in our situation. My grandfather, my grandmother died, and we were all 
all right there, you know, and I think this happens with many others as well. When when someone passes and their spouse is, is still here, everyone surrounds them and everybody was around and everybody was helping. The grandkids were visiting, you know, cousins, family members from out of state. Everyone was there and helping. And it and it's also happens at holidays. You see it quite often around holidays when um, caregivers are there's a lot of people around and Christmas is going on or Hanukkah, whatever it may be. You know, all the everyone is there. And then it's it's a couple months later when you start to feel this and not everyone is there anymore Um, and it's down to the main caregivers and then that's when these that's when this is so important and um, I I think that it it can go for a while before you realize how important it is Uh, so just think about these things when you and advocate for yourself and have those conversations so you can have respite as well yeah these are wonderful tips and I I think there's even some application outside (laughs) of uh, advocating for yourself for respite Um, there's probably a lot of applications for a variety of relationships. Uh, those are wonderful tips. So again, if you missed any part of this segment, you can go online to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button from there, find Aging Matters, and you can go back and listen to this episode. Maybe you want to share this segment with someone who's in a caregiving situation. So uh, that's a wonderful opportunity for you. WPTF.com, click on the podcast button and find Aging Matters there. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org. 